0: And welcome to another episode A new year of author conversations Presented by Arcadia Publishing and the History Press And you may think you know the history of Atlanta But I assure you there is much to learn Especially about its early history Old Atlanta may conjure images of Southern Bells And the Civil War But the full story stretches back millennia Even before the first known residents arrived 5,000 years ago from centuries of Native American settlements that ended with the removal of the creeks to the rough and ready pioneer days, the area was rich in history long before it was called Atlanta. Author Mark Pfeiffer unfolds a complex saga, including forgotten details from the struggles of African Americans and new immigrants, while noting modern locations bursting with hells that predate the city In the forest rise amid the treetops. Hidden History of Old Atlanta is Mark Pfeiffer's second book about local Southern history. The previous book is Native Decatur. He lives in a historic home in Decatur, Georgia, with his wife, Robin, and two daughters, Ava and Sasha. Mark, thanks for being on. Sure. Happy to do it. Thanks, man. So we see Atlanta now. You know, I used to live right on Piedmont Avenue. Um, Mm -hmm. Most people think of traffic, skyscrapers. I think of Junkman's Mm -hmm. Daughter. Little Five or Smith's Old Bar or the Hand Pub over in Virginia Highlands. Um, yep. Some of the places I like to hang out at. Maybe they only know of the city from following or cheering against the Braves or Falcons. But growing up, we knew there were all of this fascinating history around the area. And you actually went and uncovered it. Uh, you mm-hmm. uncovered more history than I ever thought there you know could have been uncovered around there. Because, you know, I've always was fascinated yep. by what was there before Europeans, you know, the native history I've always been fascinated with. Um, what made you want to delve into the city's hidden history?
1: Well, it, it's exactly what you said. Um, I, I grew up a little further north of here around the D.C. area, but I've always loved the south. And um, and and I've, I'm now I'm, I'm a true southerner. At least by the by my own definition, because I've spent more of my life living in the South than I have um, in DC, where I grew up. And uh, you know, I've been I visited Williamsburg, I've I've visited Boston, I've I've gone to all those places, and they're wonderful. But I, you know, there there's sort of this attitude like all of. American history sort of begins and ends with what happened up north as far as around the revolutionary period and and the 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 um the cradle of of what formed this country. And you know I, I like to remind people like Georgia was one of the original colonies. you know there was a lot of there was a lot happening in South Carolina, of course, too. And Charleston, where you are, had a lot to do with it. there there was a a lot happening down here you may not realize. And, um, and a lot of important things that were happening. In fact, even kind of Georgia in particular is, is interesting to me because th- they always talk about the 13 original colonies, um, but there were actually 15, I think I'm getting that right, 15 original colonies. So you had Florida down below and um, those those were colonies that were fought over, but they're not part of the, the quote unquote 13 original colonies, but um georgia was sort of on a border with spain for most of the time Mm -hmm. uh and with um the native american country most of the time so it it has a really fascinating history so that's what that what that's what led me down that road and then of course as you mentioned the native american history um is really fascinating and and i know and in people who are interested in history in the South and especially in Georgia tend to tend to know a lot about the Cherokees, but not as much about the Creeks who were the ones who were living in the area where Atlanta came to be. Um, And I, I just really wanted to put the full story together of who was living here first, who, who were the, who were the, what was, what was here before there was Atlanta and how did that story sort of unfold that eventually came to, to create this city down here? And there's, like you say, there's, I, I was able to, I think, uncover a good bit. There's a lot more to it. And what you just said, there's a, um, that that's a common review I get of this book and, and other things that I've written of there's, there's a lot more history. Uh, that occurred in this area than a lot of people realize. And it goes, it certainly goes back a lot farther yeah. than what most people realize.
0: And it's overarching history too. That's connected to so much national and world history. Also, I mean, yep. if it wasn't like you said with Georgia being a buffer colony, really, if it wasn't for mm-hmm. Oglethorpe having Georgia become that you know, there wouldn't be in Atlanta, uh, there wouldn't have been yep. a terminus where Martha's um, yeah, it had to. It's all with it. connected. Yeah. It's a, it's amazing. History is a spider web. One thing yeah. connects to another. Uh, yeah. Before there was a terminus or Marthersville or Atlanta, the area was already settled. So we've kind of already gone into it. And you mm-hmm. said it was the Creeks.
1: Yes. But what Northern was their Muskogee culture? As, Northern as, Muskogee.
0: Yeah. What was their culture yeah. like? Do you know? Uh, can you speak a little bit about that before contact well, with Europeans?
1: Yeah. I, I know I know a whole lot about the historical period when they were interacting with the Americans um, and largely that's because the, the the like like you and I just said that they're they're commonly called the Creeks um, and, and usually people say the Creeks um, and they called themselves the Creeks during that period. So I think it's OK to say that. Um, now, these days, they're, they're the Muscogee Nation that's out in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, the reason we know a, a whole lot about the historical period of their culture is because that's when, obviously, America, they didn't have a written language, but Americans began, in their interactions with the Native Americans, um, the, the British and then the Americans wrote down what was happening the whole time. And yeah, I can, I can talk a, a, a good bit about it. The, it's the, the, the most important thing to understand when you talk about the Creeks, the and, and the, the same is true of the Cherokees, that it, it's a confederacy, um, meaning their culture was not set up that they were this one tribe that all worked together and, and, and um, operated as a nation. Um, It, it, that forming a nation and then forming a confederacy was mostly in response to um, the Europeans, but they, they, they mainly operate on a town system. So each of the towns was really the, um, you, you know, it's a stretch. It's not the same thing, but you could sort of think, think of each of the towns that the Creeks operated as states and each of them had its own opinion about what the overall culture should be up to, how they should, especially how they should respond to um, the ingress of Europe and, and then eventually the Americans. So the, um, the, and, and without getting further too far down into the story that, that um, the, the Creek, the creeks that lived in in the area before there was atlanta lived in this area that that i'm talking to you from right now were not necessarily on the same page with with the rest of the creek confederacy and that a, a eventually led to war um it, it's another interesting misconception that people have that that we had this this battle with between the americans or or that the americans just walked in and took over all the land from the Creeks, which they did, but not all of the Creeks agreed about that. Um, there were a lot of Creeks, uh, major parts of their nation that fought on the side of the Americans when there was a war between the Creeks and the Americans. Um, and most of those that lived in the Atlanta area, um, were actually, um, aligned with the Americans when, when that whole, uh, when the Creek War came about around 1814.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I, it wasn't until I read your book, too, and it was, it was really interesting. Anybody who's ever been to Atlanta or, and, you know, there's TV shows that are filmed there, movies, too, in the mm. area. Six Flags Over Georgia. Yeah. You know, I didn't realize that there was a, a huge mound there that was demolished to build that yeah. theme park. Um, yeah. That it's was the
1: most bitter piece of history that i learned about in doing my research too Uh, i i every i I can't almost can't stand looking at the place because of what used to be there uh,
0: i felt the same way when i read that because Mm -hmm. you know you go to etowah and there's you know there's mounds outside of macon as well the mounds they're just not earthen mounds they were actually you know these weren't people you know the, the natives weren't what we think of this moving from town to town and TPs, th- those are your plains natives. Uh, yeah, exactly. These were towns. uh They had yeah, temples. Big towns. Yeah, big towns. Yeah. There were perhaps there could have been even plaster covering the mounds. Um, yeah. It, you know, this would have been something that would have been awe-inspiring to see and to look at. Um, yeah. These were major cities in a way, uh, to say, for <clears throat> size of the population. Uh, so it's it's something that people don't really think about because this was a civilization. You know, people like to say yeah. people tend to think that civilization was brought to these shores, but there was civilizations here on these shores.
1: Yeah. Um, so it's just and, and terrible it's, to think about. It's, it's another uh thing that occurred to me as I, I've done all the research and learned more about it that um, you know, we all think like you say of the the Etowah Mounds and there, there's a really good set of mounds that have been preserved in the Okamulgee mounds. And you, you have this perception that, that that's where they were. And and they're kind of hard to find. It wasn't the case at all these, these villages surrounded by where, where mounds were kind of at their center were everywhere that that even in the, in the area that we call Atlanta right now, there were probably, I, I think, maybe 15 or 20 different places where these mounds were, but they've all been bulldozed over. Um, It's just the the Etowah mounds and the Okamulgee mounds and a few others are the only ones that are remaining now. Another thing that happened was, um, you know, I'm a big kayaker, so I I have this... I I don't love dams. I always wish that all of our rivers were still flowing the way they used to, and they tend... Because it was how they built their agriculture, these mounds tended to be built um, built along riverbanks, um, and and the river would flood once a year, and that's a lot of how they water their crops. Well, uh, there are a, a lot of these mound villages are now underneath reservoirs and lakes. Um, pretty much um, any of the lakes that we have in the region are all there. There are mounds down below, under the water down there that unfortunately, uh, uh, as in the in the um, as we have progressed and things have been built, there wasn't a lot of um, pause in order to preserve a lot of this stuff. Um, The Standing Peachtree, everybody knows Peachtree Road, but that's the reason it's called that is because Standing Peachtree was a a um, creek village that eventually became a Cherokee village where there, there were a lot of mounds there as well. And uh, when they built the the water authority, um, built a, a station there, they bulldozed those mounds as well. So even the sort of the part of the, the, the biggest Creek village that existed in the Atlanta area, it was also just sort of bulldozed over and never really excavated.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and you actually bring us to the next point, the streets, uh, if you live or work in Atlanta do anything in the city, you have to learn the surface streets really to get around unless you just want to get stuck on the connector. We've got 75, mm-hmm. 85 Interchange. Um, <laughs> yeah. Can you give us a history of Peachtree Street a little bit? Can you give us a history of some of the other streets? Because these streets were, were there during this time period. I yeah.
1: Um, so it's, it's another... And I just want to make a note uh, for anybody... That, that were conflict in that previous conversation, we were conflating the mounds culture with the creeks a little bit, but the, the creeks actually did not know uh, a whole lot about the people who built those mounds. Mm. They, they founded a lot of Creek villages where there were mounds cause they had a lot of respect and it was part of their culture um, that, that they, they, they respect the old villages, but the creeks did not build those mounds. Those actually are so, those are so old that they even predate the creeks. Um, so yeah, and then those trails, well, I, I just said it that each of the major streets in Atlanta, and it's more than just, uh, I think a lot of people are aware that Peachtree Street w- was, was previously a, or was it named after a uh, Indian village um, which was standing Peachtree, but it's not the only one. Um, the center of town, really the town was founded on top of an intersection of major trails in the area. And that's sort of a theme that I tried to draw through that becomes obvious as you look at the whole history of Atlanta, that, um, even before there was an Atlanta, it's been, it's a crossroads. And the reason it, it always made a good place for people to be is because it had a, of really the, the the lay of the land between the mountains up to the north and then the Chattahoochee Ridge River um, over a little bit west and the way it slopes down over the landscape, people noticed that thousands of years ago, not just over the last um, 200 years where Atlanta has formed in that place, but the same, They they were so, um accurate and and really good at noticing the lay of the lands um that this was always uh, a major intersection of trails so you had <coughs> excuse me um so you had Peachtree uh peach street runs into um you had the the peach trail running up marietta street and then you had whitehall street is also the uh Sandtown trail And that was the other major village. So the crossroads between that, that were little five or not, sorry, not little five points, big five points, regular five points was a major intersection that led off either up north into Cherokee territory or then down south where it led down to the Sandtown Trail. And then um, uh, up Peachtree Street, you, you would eventually get up to the Shallowford. So these were all major, major trails that were used even before that, that were used in, in, you know, like I say, thousands of years ago that crossed the whole landscape. And each of the streets that surrounds all those w- were trails that w- I've got maps of it in the book that lays out which streets were trails that um, were formed a long time ago. And that um there's a i don't know how many people notice it now but it was important to people at the time that atlanta's a little bit crooked like most of the streets in atlanta are laid out north and south in a grid but when you get downtown they switch over to this crooked orientation that sort of runs northeast southeast and and um uh southwest uh northwest um and the reason for that is because that's how the trails crossed and they formed the trails or they formed the streets around the trails and then the downtown area grew up sort of in that orientation and that was a that was actually a complaint that a lot of people had uh, early on as they started selling property and building houses in downtown atlanta that all the property lines and the streets weren't correct for them that they couldn't lay out these nice neat square um parcels of land um but and they they even back in the 1800s they didn't really understand why and and they complained about that a lot but if you were if you stand back and sort of look at the grid that's why it it was a natural it it was an it was a natural way to lay out the land alongside these trails and then eventually the the railroads actually crossed in exactly the same way so if you look at the map of of where the trails were and then the streets were, and then the, how the railroad, uh, was laid out alongside them. They're on the exact same orientation with five points really being this, this ancient intersection that people used for a long, long time.
0: It's incredible. It really is. Yeah, it is. It's insane. It's It's, it's all connected. It it really is. Mm -hmm. Now, during the early days of the city itself, would a visitor have the cosmopolitan feel you can have when you're in Atlanta or would the town be better described as being a wild West boomtown?
1: Yeah, that's a loaded question of course. Uh, Yeah. No, they would not feel it was cosmopolitan in the slightest. It, 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 it's, that was for me, my one, my favorite sort of discovery and doing all the research and, and, understanding the book, I I always think it's, 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 it's more, it's more fun to find out about um, uh, sort of unusual things that happened in the past, rather than, you know, a lot of smart people getting together and making smart decisions. And I'm not saying anybody wasn't smart in the founding of Atlanta, but yeah, it, it, no, uh, to answer your question, I, I, I think it's obvious that uh, Atlanta was more of a wild west town, <laughs> and it was it was truly, it it was a fat. I really get fascinated trying to imagine what it was like because it wasn't just a wild west town. It was a true frontier town, like just outside the borders of Atlanta when it was being formed. Um, you still there were still a lot of, uh, um. Native Americans, um, in the area during that time. And so anyway, the, the, um, what happened was they built the railroads and Atlanta was, as I think people generally know Atlanta, as we call it now, um, the, the sort of American thing that we founded there was, was formed because of railroads. Um, the what uh, Charleston and Savannah had been historically the the, the key cities of the south and, and two of the key cities for commerce and, you know, in the new America, um, then New Orleans took over as as the country started to spread in a westerly direction. Um, all of these goods started coming out of what they called the West at that point, which we think of the West as like um, Oklahoma and, and further West, but they called, they referred to basically Mississippi as the West because that's as far as the country had gotten at that point. And because of the Mississippi river, all of those, all of the goods that were coming out of the West were going to New Orleans in order to be shipped to other places in the world. Well, that that kind of killed Savannah and Charleston. Um they sort of fell from from glory pretty early on and all of the basically got stepped over as New Orleans became the place where things mm-hmm. would would uh travel from. So <clears throat> the solution to that was was a high-tech solution for the time as railroads so they built all these railroads to bring the South, really to br- bring Charleston and Savannah back into the limelight. And in order to create a path that would travel, um, event, at that point they were trying to connect to the Mississippi River, but then obviously it, it went further than that later on. Um, this This crossroads in Georgia became an, a good natural place to start shipping goods. So all of that to preface to getting to the wild west part of it they did that they built the railroads and then as and they brought a lot of irish people and and other immigrants over in order to build these railroads well and then as soon as that was finished um you know there there was in the, the typical sort of um lack of forward thinking at the time they just knocked the people out of work and said go go figure it out yourself so Atlanta became this, this town where people from all over the world had arrived, usually people who didn't have a lot of resources or education, um, which was why they left wherever they were in order to find a better place to live, uh, and, and then were out of work. So they turned to the best ways they could. When you don't have a job, you turn to ways to, to find whatever money you can so you either you either gamble or you find some more illicit sort of way in order to make some money, which was a, had a lot to do with uh, drinking. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of the uh, prostitution became of if you don't have a job, um, especially if you're a woman or if you uh, unfortunately, if you even have a wife, but you don't have a job, it's the one place that they thought they could make money. So. Prostitution became a huge industry in Atlanta. And then um, crime, of course, theft. Uh, and the one the only people who had money were the railroads who were coming through Atlanta and the passengers who were come, who were traveling through Atlanta using the railroads. So Atlanta became sort of a, a den of iniquity where if if you arrived on the train, you could you, there were plenty of places to go out and drink while you were there and then plenty of places to go find a prostitute. Um, and then you always as, as you were wandering around town drunk, you typically might run into somebody who might be willing to relieve you of whatever money you had on you. So, uh, Atlanta was, was definitely one of the roughest towns in America at that point. And, um, uh, there's a lot of, exploration. And there's a lot of exploration in the book about how that happened, where it happens, um, points out exactly the streets that were the ones that you did not want to go to back in those days. And uh, the, the, there are three, three neighborhoods in town that you can go um, look at where they used to be now, but um, that, that were known as very notorious places to go was Snake Nation was one that that I think a lot of people have heard of. That's where all the prostitutes were. And that that was generally the poor neighborhood. Slab Town was uh, a place that was slabs or pieces of rough wood that you can basically trash that a sawmill throws away. There were all these houses around the sawmill made of slabs. And that was um, uh, another place where they thought a lot of crime was occurring. And Merle's row was a, was kind of the, the epicenter of crime, um, right in five points. And John Merle was a famous outlaw at the time. And they named that place Merle's row because that's where all the thieves lived. Um, so, and there, there, there are various, I tried to uncover as many stories as I could, it's unfortunate, you know. Those are the fascinating ones to me, but they didn't get into the paper a lot because the locals were ashamed of them. They, um, they generally said there was a lot of crime going on, and there's a few really good stories to tell about different crimes that occurred in Atlanta during that time. But um, I, I, I think there's a lot more out there that I didn't get to yeah, to sure tell about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was a it was a fascinating place.
0: Well, Mark, and thanks. that
1: lasted Sure, Sorry.
0: Oh, no, no. It, yeah. Go ahead. Finish your thought.
1: I was just, you know, it, it's it's it was that lasted probably uh, from the mid 1830s up till 1850. There was there was a uh, almost kind of a war in downtown Atlanta be- between the people who wanted to clean up the city and the people who didn't and. Um, and it sort of culminated in in a lot of violence that happened in 1851. Uh, that's in the last chapter of the book of uh, literally a a night raid of the um, these different parts of town where the they thought the criminal element was residing most.
0: And so that really leads to Atlanta becoming the city it was before the war and the city we became afterwards.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I, I kind of view when we're talking about Antebellum Atlanta, this incident in 1851 was really the turning point where it, it changed from uh, a you know um, wide open kind of lawless town into into a, a place where they were trying to build business and commerce, and it it it, uh, it took. You can really pinpoint it to that one night when there was this, this violent, um, uh, kind of violent fight between the different factions of the town.
0: And that's such a short speck in time for that antebellum Atlanta. Cause the real mm-hmm. antebellum Atlanta is a much more crazy place than this. Yeah. like genteel ideal of Atlanta.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, it was, uh, it had no airs to sophistication at that point. And, and it's, you know, I, 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 not only do I love the stories, but I, I have this passion for that leads me to it, that I really want to uncover um, people who get forgotten in history. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I knew that, that, that um, Atlanta, and Georgia, especially Savannah, too, um, and I'm sure Charleston, the same thing. That the um, that this poor Irish immigrant, and not just Irish, but a lot of Germans and English too, um, were a, a core part of the city. But I didn't, you know, I didn't have a real connection to it. But now that I know, I've if you go to Oakland Cemetery, there is a there's a section of that cemetery that nobody really talks about. And I walked through it and I found this whole section of all Irish immigrants from exactly the dates that I'm talking about. And you really wonder, you know, what did they do? Like they, these are the people I'm talking about. These were the railroad workers who got thrown out of their jobs and lived in snake nation. And some of these people were probably pickpockets or I, I or, you know, there were a lot of them with legitimate jobs too. A lot of them became farmers. But if you think about it, if you if you didn't know how to be a farmer and you just lost your job with the railroad, what else are you going to do? There were no there were no jobs. There were um, so they just sort of kept going the best they could.
0: Uh, um, I had many like afternoon mark where I would go and just walk around Oakland and then. Mm-hmm. depression so what did i do after getting depressed i mean it was a lot of history but then i mean you're walking around the cemetery so it's kind of you know morbid yeah. so i would go across the street of course is six feet under which is also kind of you know strange yeah. there it was yeah. a, a bar restaurant you know have some oysters and shots and drink some beer and think about yeah you know the dead people I mean, across it, the street you know
1: and it's yeah i spend a lot of time there too and it, it for it yeah it it could be seen as morbid i never feel that i always feel these people are my friends like they appreciate the fact that you're spending time to think about them and not not forget that they were here like they had a tough life and they they helped found the city as much as anybody else and i I have to mention too we haven't gotten into the subject and it's something that i i would love to spend more time on but um, the African-American community was very present during this time as well. It, it's, it's, you know, I, I, anybody who is interested in that, in that part of the story, I feel like I have to apologize that I can't uncover more, but I'm still trying my best just simply because they didn't keep as much record of it as they should have so it's it's just a lot hard like the if you go through the city council minutes they're not giving you a lot of information about the about the African American community at the time and obviously that there's a lot it, slavery is the story and and building the railroads uh, there is a, a a big part of it that is that is about slavery um the it was sort of covered up for many years but then uh, i think in the 70s i can't remember the exact dates but um the, the railroads actually owned slaves and and had the slaves build a lot of the railroads. so i back on that theme of wanting to uncover um the part of the story that might be missing for people i, I dedicated to the book to the people that built like the people that built the railroads built atlanta they're the yeah. founders of atlanta um and more times than not, those were the slaves who were asked to to lay out the tracks. And it was also all these immigrants that I'm talking about. So
0: I mean slavery, um, not just in Atlanta, thing. but in the Blue Ridge, you know, the Blue Ridge Railway in Virginia, and the in the tunnels in Virginia, they used enslaved workers too there. I mean it was all over. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it was there's a good story in the book about how they built the Monroe embankment. And it's you can. It was. It began with Irish people. This this guy John Thrasher, who is a, a key figure in the founding of Atlanta, had an entire team of Irish immigrants that he was using to build this embankment for the railroad. And they came to him one day, and it was the first uh, labor dispute in the history of Atlanta. They all came to him and said they're not getting paid enough money, and they're not going to they're, they're going to stop work unless he does something about it. Well, according to his story that afternoon, um, this, uh, preacher came and saw him and said he had 20 slaves that he was looking to find uh, a place for. And so John Thrasher compared the economics of it. And he's like, I could, I could buy these slaves and get 20 people. And I forget the numbers, but it's all in the book or I could or, or deal with this labor dispute. I'm having with the Irish. And, you know, the next day there were he had slaves working on his embankment instead of a lot of Irish immigrants. And that's kind of the way it went is is ugly. And, and un, it's awful. But um, there is there is a, a line in the story that I think is more um, encouraging than than not if is that although you know atlanta's in the south and atlanta's in georgia where slavery was legal atlanta itself has always been and continues to be at the forefront of of um, uh relation uh, of race relations um that although I just told you a terrible story about how, you know, somebody bought a bunch of slaves in order to build the railroads. At the same time, there was there was actually a lot of dispute in Atlanta. And there were a lot of people who were not in support of slavery, even back in 1840. In Atlanta, it was later on down the road when the Civil War came about it, things were tightened down. And I think I think because they needed to pledge their allegiance to the Confederacy, it, it became much more black and white. About sorry, I didn't mean black, and white, but you know what I mean. Yeah. M- much more stark between either you're for it or you're against it. Yeah. But back in the 1840s, it's if you put yourself back then, Atlanta was at the forefront of technology, and a lot of the and a lot of the people doing the jobs. Of this, these quote-unquote high-tech jobs for the time were a lot of the African American people in in the community, and they actually had a lot better prospects in Atlanta and uh, than they did out in rural settings in you know on a farm, um, and and they had a, a role in the community during this time a lot more than than they did elsewhere, and and there's a Again, a couple, couple stories in the book where you can see that it's not, it's it's still a place of oppression, but it's not quite the same here as it was in other places, and it, just like now, um, Atlanta has always been sort of a, a, a I, I think a, a more open-minded place in the South than a lot of other places.
0: Yeah, it's a there's. There's something about Atlanta, I mean, A, one thing about Atlanta I don't like, of course, is what everybody doesn't like, the traffic. But <laughs> yeah. There is, yeah, you know, I've got always, major
1: highways running yeah. through downtown, so that Yeah, that's always going to be an issue that they don't ever,
0: <laughs> you know, every time you go there, they're still working on 75 85. I, I never understood <laughs> right. that. Um, but right. uh, you know, it always seems like there's something, you know, for everybody in that city, you know, where there is going to be sports, a world-class symphony, um, yeah. issues that matter to people. Yeah. Um, there's something. There is, like you said, there's something. You know, Atlanta's on the forefront of something. Even technology. I mean, my God, the CDC is based there. Um,
1: yeah, And I, I think it's. I think it's that it's a crossroads. Like there, there's always it's still a
0: crossroads. It's been a crossroads. Yeah, exactly. you know, For millennia. And now it's a crossroads it, it's, in a different way.
1: Yeah. Exactly. That. Yeah. It's. It's. It started. The Native Americans were always traveling through this area originally. And then the, the rail when the railroads were created, then you had a lot of new ideas. A lot of people were coming from other places with different ideas and arriving in Atlanta. And then and then the highways that you just mentioned. And then of course the the airport now. It's that's really it's that's really been at the core of the city of what made it and keeps it vibrant over now we can say for for i feel like for thousands of years is that there's there's always somebody arriving here and and there's information that's always coming from another place and arriving in atlanta so it it it's quite a a bubbly place
0: it becomes part of the fabric the historic fabric of the city
1: yeah yeah
0: all right, Mark. Well, I've kept you for 40 minutes, and I told you it was only going to be 20, so sorry about that. <laughs> oh, That's
1: okay. No, I can keep going and going. I love talking about it, especially. Thank you for the opportunity. No problem. Thanks for being on, Mark. I appreciate
0: it. you, man. And thanks to you, the audience, for listening. Hidden History of Old Atlanta will be available wherever local books are sold beginning February eighth, twenty 2021. And it is available now for pre-order at arcadiapublishing.com. I want to thank, as always, Jane Bill's Unnamed Band Project for the show's theme song. You can check them out on Facebook or Instagram by searching for Jane Bill's Unnamed Band Project. If you have questions or future episode ideas, you can reach me by email at Conversations at gmail.com. I'll talk with you again soon.